we forget 40% of what we learned in an hour, 60, 70% in a day. By a month from now, maybe you'll remember my story and my hair, but uh, <laughs> 80%, you and I will forget most of the stuff. average CEO reads 60 books per year, and many attribute their success to this habit of constant learning. This is the difference between those who actualize and those who fail. This automization of their learning, this 1% better every day. On the MentorBox podcast, we're making it easy for you to build and maintain that same habit, the same type of constant lifelong learning as those CEOs, simply by listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and tune in for new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and every Friday. And if you want to dig deeper into what our incredible guests teach, make sure to go to mentorbox.com and become a member today. CEOs on average read 60 books per year. Many attribute their professional success to this persistent quest for new wisdom and innovative excellence. MentorBox makes it easy for you to develop that same high-achieving habit of lifelong learning. As a person of action, you know that true ingenuity is the result of deep, deep knowledge. And just by listening to this podcast, you're working toward your goals every single day. If you're ready to wholly embrace this mindset, this 1% better every day, then check in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes. And if you want to dive deeper into the teachings of our guests, become a member at mentorbox.com today. There, we'll be uploading a course from Christopher Kai. Christopher is a big game hunter, only not in the traditional sense. His hunt is networking, and his game is celebrities, billionaires, and executives. He has been crafting his ability to speak, communicate, and socialize ever since he was overcoming early learning obstacles in grade school. Now, he finds himself liaising regularly with major players in American industry and culture. He and I talk about his master techniques for public speaking, getting so deep as how speech impacts the brain chemically. Really wild stuff. This is a hugely important lesson on a quintessential skill, so get ready to take some notes. Hello, 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 and welcome to the MentorBox podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lay, content coordinator of MentorBox, and today I'm here with Christopher Kai. Christopher Kai, you are a super expert on communication, the psychology, the science behind it, and a wildly successful speaker. Let's dive in. I'm ready. Got the wetsuit <laughs> ready, Tyler. <laughs> I, I just love all that you've taught us today in the studio shoot that we did, the video course that's going to come out soon. You really dove deep into the principles of communication and what makes you an effective communicator. And you've actually just told me that you even know about the sort of chemical science oh, behind it as absolutely, well, yeah. in addition to the just basic psych psychological science about it. Uh, I want to start us off by having you give your description of pathos, logos, and ethos. I love that you did that, Aristotle's princ uh, principles, and the kind of stories that you told within that. So can you give an, our audience an overview of that real quick? Sure. So first of all, people always think, oh, wow, you're a great communicator, Tyler or Christopher. And yeah, we are, but it takes time to dissect and understand that. So the Aristotle, he talks about how there's three main areas of communication. There is the ethos, logos, and pathos. Now, ethos is the credibility. 
So when I'm on stage, they often read my introduction. They say, Christopher Kai is a Fortune 100 global speaker, a number one best-selling author, has given over a thousand presentations, has spoken at Google, Marketing Express, and New York Live, has a program that he teaches entrepreneurs to be speakers, and it's in 100 cities, 22 countries, and five continents. Now, that sounds impressive. Oh, that's pretty cool. But that's only 10% of the effectiveness of me as a communicator. Mm -hmm. The next rung is Logos, which is a little more. It's 25%, and that's the facts and figures. So when I say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to network, and networking is important because based on Ron Burt, who actually is a professor at Amuda for Chicago, he studied this stuff, and he's found that your network is the number one best predictor for success. Mm -hmm. So when people say, oh, yeah, your network is your net worth, and I'm like, I get that stuff, but like, I want to dive into the science. And when I found this out, it comes down to, wow, there's what they call closed networks and open networks. And the most basic exercise for the people listening on this podcast is you look on your phone, and if you imagine that your phone only has 10 people, and if you say to me, hey, Tyler, I want to be a millionaire, I'm like, great, look on your phone. What percentage of your clients or your roster are millionaires? If there's none, well, the probability is probably not high. Now, same thing with, let's say you want to be this phenomenal athlete, you want to be like a CrossFit champion, same thing. Tyler, look at your contact list and show me who's there because the more people that you want to be like that are on your phone, the higher probability that you'll be that person. And that's kind of going back to the science where Ron Burr talks about this open network where they're not people from perhaps your region, gender, nationality, income level. And for me, the only reason why I remember how crazy my network is, I was in Israel <laughs> a few years back for a U.S. consulate event where I was speaking there, helping entrepreneurs there. And this programmer who I met who's from the Bay Area, but originally from like the U.S. Virgin Islands, he said, Chris, I want to look at your phone. I want, I want to look at your phone. I'm like, well, why, dude? Like, I just want to like, scroll through your, your, your Rolodex. And I I know that I have this crazy, amazing network, but until he actually called me on it, and I literally looked at my phone, and said, like, okay, there's a billionaire here, there's a, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk there, there's a Olympian aerialist, there's an FBI agent, there's, so it's not just about money, wow. it's about, I can literally pick 10 TED Talk speakers probably on my phone alone, and probably actually more. But the reason why this open network is so important based on science is because so many people grew up in the same city, same church, same gender, same religion, and they wonder why they don't have the opportunities. Well, Ron Burt, who studies this stuff, has a PhD from the University of Chicago, talks about you have to have open networks. Mm -hmm. If you have closed networks, it's me living in Woodside, Queens, hanging out only with my guy friends, playing uh, games and riding bikes, <laughs> and not talking to girls and not doing anything. But what I'm saying is, the actual science is 25% only, which I've kind of dove deep. But the most important thing, which we talked about in lesson was pathos. Pathos is 65%. There's a guy named Carmine Gallo who wrote a book called Talk Like Ted, and he dissects the secrets of a TED Talk. We're actually speaking with him tomorrow. Yeah. He's going to be in our studio tomorrow. Yeah. So Carmine Gallo, great book. I highly recommend reading his book. And he talks about how... The reason why these TED Talk speakers are powerful is because they have the story. So I talked about my story where they're shocked when I say the very first memory I have in school in first grade was my teacher, a person of authority who I looked up to saying, Chris, shut up, you're talking too much. <laughs> now, of course, they didn't say that, but that's what I felt. To be a six-year-old kid in class and them saying, Christopher, you're staying after class and right now, I will not talk in class 100 times. And my third grade teacher was so angry and pissed off at me, she literally made me write it 500 times. Wow. Now, Tyler, I'm eight years old. <laughs> I'm like... That's brutal. <laughs> chalkboard, you know, and that's why I blame her for my atrocious handwriting. Mm -hmm. But I remember very distinctly, Tyler, can you imagine all your friends get to go out and play? It's a nice, beautiful day in New York where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like sitting there trying to write this as quickly as possible. But 
all boards in the entire classroom had my atrocious handwriting saying, oh, I would not talk in class. Mm-hmm. That clearly didn't work because now I talk for a living. <laughs> but the, the point of the story is the people listening to this podcast, maybe they'll be like pretty impressed. Oh, yes, Chris was in Forbes and they said that he's a international speaker. And they also said, you know, your GPS program helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. And, you know, if you Google the billionaire networker, you literally see my Inc. Magazine article. And then that's cool. Yeah. But I get approached all the time, Tyler, about when I tell them that it would really hurt to not be able to talk. And it hurt more when they pretty much labeled me as being stupid because they said you're a slow learner. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was in ninth grade, Tyler, think about this. For nine years, I thought I was stupid, even though I did well in school. I just had to study really hard. But until I got into honors English in 10th grade, I'm like, whoa, maybe that label that that teacher told me as a kid wasn't true because I got into honors English, which means maybe I'm smart. Mm-hmm. But the worst thing was I was short. They would always line up. <laughs> well, Tyler, why are you laughing, Tyler? Because <laughs> I'm tall, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are. So you don't know the pain of someone being short. I know. I used to be like average high. I was never actually short in my life. So yeah, no, I, I understand though. I, I hear a lot about how difficult it is. <laughs> and especially as a guy, right? Yeah, but yeah. Just kind of finish the story. Imagine for the first eight years where we went to school, they lined you up and there was always the shortest kid on the front foot of the line. So I was the, literally the thing I was most insecure about was them putting me in the front of the line. I did not know this though, that I was literally destined to be a leader because now I'm standing on stages. And so for the people on the podcast, remember, 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 please, that your deficiencies or perceived deficiencies and differences and things that make you weird or whatever. Like, I wish someone told me, hey, Chris, you being short, you having a learning disability, you being punished, and I can go on and on, you know? But um, I I wish someone told me that because, like, how ridiculous is it that I got punished for talking in class, now I got paid a lot of money. And so for the people on the podcast, please know that you've had hardships and struggles, but don't allow your past scars, struggles, and obstacles to determine your future successes. And I'm a perfect example. I didn't grow up with money, no connections, no access, but I'm literally hobnobbing with billionaires, executive celebrities. It's not by chance. It's by intentional design. It's by persistence, and mostly it's just about being honest and authentic with who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah. The obstacle is the way, as Jonathan and Ryan Holiday, of course, would say. They, they love those. Jonathan loves that, but Ryan Holiday wrote that book. <laughs> um, I, it's so fascinating to me that the, there are, like, percentages to these things. You know, 65 pathos, um, is it 10 ethos, 25 logos? Yes, is that right? yes, yes, yes. So what do you think the general perception of the impact of those things are? Because I think it, you could explain to anybody, you know, there are these three categories, and it, it makes a lot of sense. Like if somebody had to kind of dissect what they expect when a speaker comes or when they're about to learn something even from a professor, yeah. just anybody that is an authority figure, it's, you know, it's it's kind of intuitive us, mm-hmm. intuitive to us now to kind of dissect that there are like at least these three sort of overarching components. What it seems like to me is that a lot of people assume that the ethos Absolutely. is probably yeah. really, really impactful and, and some of the most important stuff. But... What it comes down to, and you've kind of affirmed this and what you've told me today in between the shots and everything, is that once you've actually done the speaking and um, once you've you know, spoken at an event or even just in like small social encounters, people start to realize like, oh, okay, he's good at this. You know, he has this authority. These are the things that he's done. But it's, it's really you've, – you've actually given a story and you've kind of made it more personal and that seems to be – the one thing that's missing until you've actually given the speech. And that's when people start to realize, oh, they run up to you after you give them the speech and they say, I want to, you know, 
meet with you? Can we they do this They run up to me that? for my hair, Tyler. Like if the podcast people heard, like could see, like I just got cool hair, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you but got the height, I got the hair. <laughs> it seems like that's kind of what happens is like after, because like you can do your research, and this is one thing you mentioned as well, it's important to do research if you're trying to network before you go to events. And I'm sure that people do that research, but it seems like after you've actually spoken is when you get the most attention in particular, yeah. you having made these rounds and everything, which says to me that's pretty solid evidence that it's that pathos that really kind of brings people to you and really makes you that figure of intrigue, if you will. Yeah. And that's so fascinating to me because at the end of the day, it's kind of the most common thing. It's mm-hmm. like we've all faced some sort of adversity. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of how we get over it. And it just seems like it connects all the dots. No, but, but that's the thing about life. It's like, it's a story. Like, all of civilization is based on a story. Yeah. You read a book called Sapien by Yuval Noah Harari, he pretty much says everything's a story. Yeah. Including capitalism, including why we're here, why is the mentor box so cool? Because they have like 60,000 plus subscribers and Alex Marin. You know, this is a story though, right? Yeah. But when you talk about how stories are 22 times more memorable, where I have people literally reaching out to me years later saying, you know, Chris, I remember you sharing a story. And I don't remember, like, this happened literally. <laughs> you don't I, remember it because you know the story. Well, I remember because I was on a podcast and this girl had a very sexy voice and I can't see what she looks like even if she's an actress. And I'm like, man, she's like <laughs> so into my story about like what I was talking about. I don't even remember even sharing that story. Yeah, yeah. But she was so connected that her voice was like, man, I wish I could like go on a date with her, you know? <laughs> but uh, it's just funny because... It's really about not just the story, but it, are you sharing it right? Like, I'm showing you, like, Tyler, it was painful yeah. to be punished as a kid. And you tell that so well. Like, it, one thing that I noticed having worked with a lot of folks doing videos and doing podcasts is that, uh, and you, you know these things so well, is the physicality of how you present yourself. And a lot of folks will, when they speak, you know, publicly or to a camera, they don't use their eyes. They don't know how to use their hands. Uh, they don't really know how to use their body in general. Maybe they have the voice thing down. You know, they know how to speak and emphasize what's important and all of that. But they don't realize that. And I feel if you're not incorporating the whole physicality of the 50%, presentation. 50%. More than 50%. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of why I always tell my clients, because, again, I teach entrepreneurs how to become speakers mm-hmm. and coaches. And I tell them, look, it's not enough for you to say you're doing something. You have to show it through your voice. Yeah. So if you want to encourage someone, make sure you sound encouraging. <laughs> I mean, if you want to sound inspiring, make sure your words are inspiring and every word is loaded. Mm-hmm. If I say to you, hey, I'm a former business strategist at American Express on 40 Wall Street in New York City. Every single word is loaded. And I tell all my clients, you have to be very specific. And I always say I'm like a Navy SEAL relative to business writing. And why if you were to read my bio, like, whoa, this guy's a baller. But not because it's by accident. Like every single word down to the cadence and where I put the things. Like I'll always end with Elon Musk or start with Elon Musk. (laughs) And that's by design. I'll always start with Google and with American Express or vice versa. I put New York Life as well. But what's more... What pops more, Google, American Express, and your life. Mm-hmm. But even that simple, what's going to go first, what's going to go last, because most of us only remember what's first and last. And there's an interesting thing about memory. Talk about science, right? Yeah. This guy named um, Herman Ebbinghauer. He's a German psychologist. I read about him in a book called Moonwalking with Einstein, The Art and Science of Remembering Everything. And they pretty much study memory. Again, I just love, I'm a geek that way. But he pretty much says, we forget 40% of what we learn in an hour. 60 70% in a day. By a month from now, maybe you'll remember my story and my hair. But uh, <laughs> 80%, you and I will forget most of this stuff, which is why MentorBox is so great because they're simple, concise, specific lessons. And for me, that's why you'll notice I always repeat myself. 
Mm-hmm. Because I want the people on this podcast, on these lessons, to know that it's not about what you learn. I'm not going to brag about how many books I've read, even though this is mentor box. It's about what you apply. Sure. And with my clients, I always give them the same three points: Are you concise? Are you specific? Are you being sexy? Mm-hmm. Are you concise? Are you specific? And you're being sexy. They keep rambling on about this and that. I'm like, look, man, you got to like get to the point. Hey, I hate to interrupt this conversation with Christopher Kai, but I want to let you know where you can learn more about his book. Big Game Hunting, and other topics around public speaking and communication. Christopher recorded a full set of videos on this book, but per usual, they were recorded exclusively for MentorBox members. If you want to access all that and much, much more, be sure to become a member at MentorBox.com today. Okay, back to the show. Where does brain chemicals and all that come in here. How much can Great you dive question. into that? Because I'm really interested to hear just those three principles right there when you're thinking about actually, you know, speaking to somebody, but even, you know, the design, the the written design, the typography or whatever. I actually, we did a shoot with a uh, with Matthew Smith, who is the founder of Really Good Emails, and he's a design person himself. He, he does uh, ceramics, and he's worked in advertising and all that. And we spoke a lot about how design is everywhere and Absolutely. typography is so important. Absolutely. But signals and messaging, they just they swarm us these days <laughs> on our phones, yeah. in in the in the world. And I want to see, you know, how much you know about you know the, the chemical no, nature yeah, of this yeah. stuff too. Now, this is again a study too by a PhD and it's called the happy chemicals. Okay. And there are four happy chemicals. Have you heard of this before? Uh, I've heard the term happy chemicals. So four happy chemicals and going back to using acronyms to remember things. Think of a dose of happiness. So anytime you want to connect with someone, you think of a dose of happiness. And dose stands for four things. D stands for dopamine, the happy chemical, literally. O stands for oxytocin, which is like kind of like you, you're feeling good. Serotonin is like, oh, I'm laid back. And then lastly, it's uh, endorphins. Okay. Surprise, surprise. When you look at someone like a Tony Robbins or someone who are speaking at the highest levels, those four same chemicals are secreted when you're having sex. So when you think about it from a visceral standpoint and a chemical standpoint, and this is why doctors have told me after my speech when I said that, I'm like, you're so right, Christopher, and they're a doctor (laughs) telling me, and I'm the speaker. But again, I've done enough research where if I talk to you, let's say, let's do it real time, right? Putting him in a spot, who is the one person you most enjoy spending your time with, Tyler? My dog. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. So, and what's your dog's name? Well, he moved away, and he wasn't mine. His name was Ashby. (laughs) Ashby. But see, for those people on the podcast listening to Tyler's voice, as soon as he says his dog, he laughs, but it's the type of laugh he had. It was like boisterous and open, but like if I were to dive deeper and deeper into your, your dog and your relationship with the dog, yeah. you're literally, your, your chemicals are changing. That's the crazy thing where I've had conversations where I talk to someone and I just ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, going back to the micro expressions and what they are into. Mm-hmm. I can walk away and they're like, oh my God, Christopher Kai, he's the most amazing person in the world. Mm-hmm. And I've said like three things. So what I'm saying for people on this podcast, if you really want to connect, listen more. And here's a powerful thing. It's about Chinese characters. The Chinese character for listen, Chinese characters like Tetris. There's seven elements of a Chinese, oh, right, um, one, two, three, four. Six elements of a Chinese character for listen. They have on the left-hand side, you have the character for ears. Right below that, you have the character for king because you have to respect the person like a king. Mm-hmm. To the right-hand side, you have uh, the character for eyes. You listen now to the ears, but you with the eyes. Right below that, you have the character for one, which means you and I are talking right now. They can't see us, but you and I are talking. There's nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, what most people don't do is they listen with their heart. 
Like it's always very reassuring that you can have such a, a great connection with your dog because you know dogs are like family, family members, right? Sure. And maybe there are times where you're sad. Maybe this girl broke up with you. Maybe you were alone when you came out here. But this dog is cool because they're like unending, unconditional, awesome love. Mm-hmm. And to have this thing, <laughs> you know, that's like this hug. It's, it's, they're, they're beautiful animals. But what I'm saying is how many of us do that? To ask you about who's the one person you most enjoy spending time with and diving deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So that's why if you want to connect more, it's chemicals, not Christopher Kai's opinion. It's no, you research <laughs> the four happy chemicals and they'll shave. Yeah, yeah. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, same chemicals that we're having when we're having sex. Wow, that, that's really wild. Uh, to be totally honest, I wanted to say uh, good old Will Jovacchini, uh, my, my videographer <laughs> here, but I didn't want to disappoint any other mentor box. If, if you members. can see this, Will is like nodding his it's head, no, true. no, no. He's like cringing his face. He's like, oh. But again, micro expressions, body language. Will is like. <laughs> Says a lot about how we feel about each other. <laughs> Literally, he's like, not believing uh, Tyler, and Tyler's looking away. It's okay. <laughs> just just a little joke between us. We do a lot of traveling together, so we spend a lot of time together. Now, now um, Will is nodding his head just so the <laughs> listeners can see and uh, hear. I appreciate the narration. I want to jump into some of your most exciting life experiences because you you mentioned you know Google, Elon Musk. Those are all really great, and you sort of tell the stories here in in the lesson that we just shot. I want to know how hard this was for you to get to this point, given your beginning, and like what if you if you can highlight any of them specific sort of catalysts that were like, oh, wow, like I want to network at this high level or like, oh, wow, I can do this. I can speak publicly. This is what I like. It sounds like you were always talkative, you know, yeah. maybe a well, what are you saying, Tyler? person. <laughs> are you going to punish Not me? Not in a bad way. Well, is this guy going to punish me? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if, you know, your teachers are punishing you for some reason that I don't understand for, for talking too much. So it sounds like you at least had that sort of nature in you that you like to, that you like to speak. Yeah. Um, were there specific moments that you can think of? That, Absolutely. I, yeah. I the exact moment. Cool. Let's go through it then. Exact moment. So the the first book I wrote, I was in my early 20s after I graduated college. And getting back to what I was saying before, I was a very slow learner. It wasn't until after I graduated college where I started reading more because I just had such difficulty reading these boring textbooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sold them for a living for a while. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) Yeah. So when I wrote my first book, it was a college success guide. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to help students like myself who, you know, had difficulty in academics. I understood how powerful social skills were, which is why I was very active in student leadership. And lastly, career skills, because when I wrote the book, I finished it in my mid-20s, but I wanted to make sure that I got advice from mentors, mm-hmm. from people that I admired. So I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to my president, my, my, my professors in school. Some of them responded, some of them didn't. Then I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to the mayor of New York. At the time, it was Mayor Giuliani. But then I thought, you know what? If I'm going to reach out high, I'm just going to shoot to the highest, which at the time was President Clinton. So I literally said, you know what, I'm going to reach out to the mayor Giuliani, the governor, the, the, the attorney general of New York State where I'm from, the vice president and the president, because what do I have to lose? Sure. And I'm like, I actually got a handwritten postcard from the White House. And it was just cool to have someone say, sorry, Christopher, but President Clinton has many responses. I'm sure you understand. But to get an actual handwritten letter, which I should have kept, but I didn't, because every other letter I got of rejection was typed out, yeah, that's but the White House had a hand, I'm like, that is so cool, but I just should, should have kept it, but I didn't. <laughs> but the point of the story is, I had Dennis Vaca get back to me. Mm-hmm. Now, Dennis Vaca was the Attorney General of New York at the time. Okay. President Clinton was Attorney General, Bobby Kennedy was Attorney General, so Attorney General is like the second highest ranking elected official in any state, and New York, as you know, is a, a big state in our union, in our country. So as a 20-something-year-old young man, 
to get the attorney general to write back to me. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool where, yes, I shot for the president, which I've since met President Clinton, but at the time, I'm like, man, if I aim higher, then even if I don't hit you know, President Clinton, you'll always get to a higher goal than you will ever get. Mm-hmm. And the moral of the story, going about the stories, is that it was an exact moment I knew because it was like, oh my gosh, an epiphany. And ever since then, I've always aimed higher, whether with Elon Musk or Richard Branson, like some of the people that would have been unfathomable to get to, they were just looking at you as crazy. But since I know how I was in the past, I've met President Clinton, I've met Richard Branson, I've met Elon Musk, I've met Justin Bieber, I've met Paris. like I've met enough people that a kid that got punished for school for talking too much and got ridiculed, I got bullied. I didn't even talk about my acne. If you want to go deep, like I had these crazy cystic acne, I got scars. Like, mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is it's reassuring to know that someone like myself with no money, no assets, no connections by just sheer wit and determination and persistence because now I actually don't like talking unless I'm you know, getting paid to talk or like, I don't actually like networking. And people find that hilarious because when you have an intention to serve and you know your purpose in life, I don't want to waste my time talking to people if they don't grab my message, you know? Yeah. So yeah. kind of going back to you, like the question you answered, it's, it's these moments where the bottom line is you aim higher. Uh, Michelangelo once said that the problem with most of us isn't that we aim too high and reach it. It's not that we aim too high and miss it, it's we aim too low and reach it. Mm-hmm. So I encourage the listeners to aim higher because what's the worst thing you happen? You see this hot girl at a bar or restaurant, you walk up to her, she says no, so what? At least you know. It hurts. It hurts when she says no. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Well, now Tyler, if you saw, he, he can tell you some of the mechanical expressions or you apply for a job and you don't get it and it's like this precious job. But what happens is people get take it personal. Yeah, yeah. Whereas me, like, if you've seen spreadsheets that I've had, I have thousands of people. So for every one Elon Musk, I've gotten rejected 99 times or more. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, something that people don't want to accept or realize. But it's like life. If we look at ourselves as kids, how many times we fall on our butts or on our head, on our stomach, trying to walk? <laughs> and if you've ever watched a kid, it's the funniest and cutest thing where they're hobbling around. They're like, oh my God, am I going to fall? You know, so I just, I want to encourage the listeners to know that it's possible, but there are very pointed moments, but you have to be really intentional with what you're doing, what you're doing in life. So you were really shooting high at 21, you said, when you reached out to Bill Clinton and met, mm-hmm. and that's when you got the, Early the AG to respond? Yeah, that, that's why I was so shocking, because for me, for a man of that stature, mm-hmm. now going back to the same thing, I was working at American Express. Okay. I wrote a speech for the former vice chairman and CFO of American Express. Again, I was in my mid-20s, And I'm like, you know, sir, for your convenience, here's a speech I wrote for you, and you feel free to use it. He literally read every word verbatim. Really? And I was like, whoa, again, going back to, sir, here's an event you're coming to speak at for your convenience. Because again, going back to adding value, the guy doesn't have to think. He just reads. Yeah, let's let's get into that then, because that's a really important thing that I I fear a lot of people don't remember. writing? Writing? No, giving people value, adding value to, and, and because it seems like when somebody's way above you, you know, like an actor or a billionaire, how can you give that person value? They have access to virtually anything they want. And I would argue, you know, that is really, really hard to see somebody like Elon Musk, you know, and say, hey, I can give this to you. There's a reason for you to speak to me other than because I want you to. How do you suggest people go about this if they're, if they're not, you know, at a certain level. I mean, we can all dig really deep and mm-hmm. see if we have something, access to something. But it seems like you had some strategies. This speech, I, that's brilliant. Like, that blows my mind that you did that, and it worked the way it did, mm-hmm. like, verbatim reading. That's yeah. a really cool thing. Yeah. But are there any other strategies like that? Well, first, it's, like, knowing what you're good at, right? Yeah. So let's say with the speech writing, I literally saved him. Because 
writing takes a lot of time, as we all know. We write, you know, yeah, mentifies, right? <laughs> and yeah. good writing takes time. So here I am. He doesn't want to look bad, and I'm just providing him a, a, a resource to look good, right? Was this but unsolicited too? Completely unsolicited. Wow. It's just that it was a great honor for him to come. And again, this is the former vice chairman and CFO, mm-hmm. and and it's just that kind of reminded me because a lot of pe- t- people think they're good at something, but again, I worked at American Express. On 40 Wall Street, I used to build out global sales presentations, so I knew that I had a very high-level strategy, which is why, for me, being a speaker, is not me assuming I'm good. I'm like, I've been vetted. And I think a lot of people, they think they're good, but I don't know if they've been vetted. But going back to your your question, the best and quickest way to kind of give more of a short answer is that focus on the nonprofit. Every single one of these billionaires, they have a cause. So let's say if you want to get in touch with Leonardo DiCaprio, he has a foundation called Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. They have a San Tropez event coming up next month in San Tropez. Now, granted, it's like a $9,000 price point, but if you're an artist and your art costs $10,000, or you have a platform of 60,000 people and you want to promote that, you know, or Ty Lopez, or, you know, but what I'm saying is you have to meet them at their level. Mm-hmm. And this is what I don't think people realize. That first, you have to understand that there are levels. This is not about me being arrogant or boastful. It's like, no. There's a difference between Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, and you and I for now. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of our human value, but in terms of they get approached so many times. That's why when uh, Richard Branson asked for $2,000, for any average person, it's kind of a lot of money. But for someone like him, you just donate. You know. So the best way I would suggest is get involved with the nonprofits. And, and donate either your time and money. Because if you're not donating your time, money, and resources, you will never get further. And the nonprofit is the best way to get to them because you're really essentially being heart-centered. And I encourage people to find things that you're actually passionate about, like not just, oh, I'm going to find a nonprofit because then Chris said I can meet a Elon Musk. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that you explained the, the Chinese character and how it has heart in there. That, I think Absolutely. that really speaks to that point, how important that is. And that's what you did with Elon Musk, right? Did yeah. you? Because I, I asked him. I asked him. I'm like Elon. Like, I mean, again, this is Elon Musk. Yeah. And I'm like, why did you come? And it's it's so telling about people and how he's raised. Because I met his mom too, and I met his sister. I met his brother. You know, so I, oh, yeah. um, at this conference. But but what I'm saying is, he said, you know, these kids were dealt a, a bad hand, and I thought maybe I can tell them something that I can help them out. Mm-hmm. That's so telling. This is Elon Musk. Now. I didn't know this until after I read his book uh, by Ashley uh, Vance that he was teased too. He was bold. He was really short. Yeah, yeah. He's not short. He's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, He's a big guy. But he literally was on the, the doorstep of his school one time and these bullies kicked him down the stairwell where he had to be hospitalized. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think when he saw these homeless kids, given that he grew up in Pretoria, South Africa, he kind of saw himself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see with everyone that's consistent. Like I got John Paul DeGiorio who created Pachon Tequila and John Paul, John Paul Mitchell hair care products. Mm-hmm. I got Diana Nyan to come to the program who was sexually assaulted and she's the only person to swim from Cuba to Miami when it took her 54 hours, 110 miles, she did this when she was 64. But what I'm saying is, it's not a accident that I've gotten 300 speakers from around the world, but it's intentional about how I did it, which is, I'm giving them a platform to help some of the most impoverished kids in the world. And with Elon, it really is that heart connection because he didn't have to do it, but no one in that room, city, state, or country could have said what I said. That's really inspirational. I'm, I'm glad that you're putting that message out there for our folks that are listening. Uh, before we I'm finish like, up, make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate that you're emphasizing the heart there. And again, I love that the Chinese character emphasizes that too. I don't know a lot about you know Chinese characters, but I'm glad that you gave me that quick lesson there. No, I think so the there's Chinese, a lot to learn from that. Yeah, like I went to Chinese school for 13 years thanks to my mom because I hated it because I grew up in New York City, born and raised. And yeah, yeah. 
now that I look back at it, I, I give speeches and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I'm, I am Chinese, but I'm amazed because I didn't ever knew that until after I started looking into it. Like, think about that. Left-hand side are your ears. Right below that is a king, meaning you have to be respectful. Yeah. Right above that is like you're treating them like a person. Right below that is eyes. So you're listening, like I was looking at micro expressions. If, again, if you saw Tyler's face light up, you heard his smile when you talked about his dog, and your dog's name was what again? Ashby. Ashby. How do you spell that? A- A-S-H-B-Y. Okay. It's actually my roommate's dog, and he's gone. Like I said, he's, he didn't die. He's just moved away. So. Okay. <laughs> but we Ashby. were very close. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's cool. But, but I'm, I'm looking at you. Yeah. I'm hearing you. But most importantly, that feels, that's, that's very heartfelt because, you know, especially as guys, like, oh, my God, if I, if I show my feelings, I'm not a man. But really, any relationship you have that's real is focused on the heart. And you'll find it so interesting with Chinese. So you have heart in the character for listen. You have heart in the character for confidence because it's about being able to in your heart. And you have heart, the character in love because in love it's friendship and heart. It's just crazy. You look into the understanding of the Chinese language because it's pretty much like Tetris where one character means one thing. When you put it together, it means completely different things. It's just fascinating to me. I feel like I want to study that now. That is so <laughs> fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Uh, before we finish up, do you want to uh, give some shout-outs to some things that you're up to right now? Uh, your book, uh, Big Game Hunting, anything else, any other ways for people to learn more about you or maybe catch you at your next, next gig, something like that? Yeah, just go to my website, ChristopherKai.com. It's last name is book K-A-I. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Go to my Instagram or LinkedIn. The, the Instagram is um, the Global Speaker. Facebook. But really, the best thing is just follow follow me on my ChristopherKai.com. Sign up for my newsletter, and I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure shooting and speaking with you. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much, Tyler. Thank you so much for listening to the MentorBox podcast. If you want to learn more about what our authors as well as all of our authors teach, make sure to sign up at MentorBox.com. And if you like the MentorBox podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts as that helps us get discovered by more people who will enjoy and be helped by what we do over here at MentorBox. Also, if you think of anyone who would enjoy or be helped by what we do here at MentorBox, be sure to let them know. We do what we do at MentorBox to try to make the world a better place through the incredible education our authors bring. And we can only do that through your help. So please help us spread the word. Again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the next MentorBox podcast.